Hey, what's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Fat Attack Features the Bad Rad and Horror Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Capo, and today we're going to talk about the 1988 classic, Bloodsport. So let's get to it. The next time you are frightened in the dark, don't, don't, don't scream. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey. What's up? So, as most of the time, we have Elaine. Yeah. Who's not here all the time. Because I live here, so I, I kind of have to be on the podcast a bit. I agree. <sighs> good start, good start. Because I live here. True. It's, it's not like you wouldn't invite me if I didn't live here, I don't think. Oh, save that for our therapist. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and we have our returning guest, Tavares. Yay. And we are kicking off Jean-Claude Van Dimber. Yeah. Now, I want to say... This is very special, and I know it's special. Why is it's it written so in the stars. Why is it so special? It's fate. Why? Because I've been talking about doing this on and off since last year. Right? Oh, yeah. Okay. I asked you what Saturday you'd be available, and you picked this particular Saturday. Yeah. yeah I did. Right. So, when this episode comes out, February 26th, it'll be the 35th anniversary of when I went to theaters. Oh, Whoa. my God. And I did Woo. not know that until last night. Okay. Oh, it's written in the faith, man. That's what I'm saying, man. It was destiny. Yeah. 35 years. I can't. This movie is 35 years old. That just trips me out. Yes. Yeah. Because that means I'm just really old. It's also the 33rd episode of the podcast. Is it? That we've released. Oh. Wow. Because we have, let's see, we had the Munchies episode. Didn't make it. The slugs episode that didn't make it. Yeah. Then we have another one. Why didn't the munchies make it? Because that was one of the like very first ones we did. Yeah. And with this, the way that I had the settings on this, it would only record like 30 minutes and then it would cut. Yeah. And then start over again and put it in 30 minute increments, but it was cutting like minutes out. And I didn't know that. Oh, shit. It was the way that they had the... uh, it's something to have to do with how you had the mic set up, and I had them on separate channels, and it just fucked it all up. Oh, okay. mm. so, it's true. And then the slugs one, I went to get up and get the uh, the cover to show Elaine the artwork, and when I did, I sat back down, I cut my mic off. Oh no! And so your mic just totally went out for like yeah. a good portion of the. So podcast. it was just Elaine. It was just Elaine talking, <laughs> and then you would just hear. So I just sound like a crazy person. Well, you could hear me, but it was like, <laughs> like, like you could just hear like some little. It was like a like a ghost yeah. voice, oh, or like how Brian talks at work. 
Oh yeah. Gotta ask him what he say like twenty times. Yeah. So <laughs> that, I don't know who Brian is, but okay. Yeah, you don't want to know who Brian uh, is. All right. But um take your word for it. So Blood Sport. Yeah. February twenty sixth, nineteen eighty eight. Uh huh. Had a budget of one point five to two point three million, depending on That's a lot of money for thirty five years ago. Uh, it's not that much money. It millions? Yeah, that's not 35 that years ago, 30 millions, 35 years ago. Come on. That's yes. A little bit. I would say that's a lot of money. That's not yeah. a lot of money for the production. We watched that was, a, that's not know. a lot of money because, okay. Yeah. So Canon films put this out and they were notorious for trying to make like movies with as small budgets as they could case in point. When they made this, they couldn't afford stunt men. So that dude who gets his gold tooth knocked out. Fun fact. The first time they shot at John Claude Van Damme, knocked that dude unconscious. Oh, my Holy God. Shit. Because everyone had to do their own stunts, and no one, like, knew what they were doing. Oh, so they weren't all, like... Oh, so everybody wasn't moving out the way. Yeah. So <laughs> everybody wasn't, like, karate fighting for real? Or they were? I mean, and the, as close they as were, they could get to it. Yeah, there were, like, yellow oh, belts shit. going against Claude Van. So, like, they went to some class, and they were like, hey, do you guys want to be in a movie? But that's not a lot of money. Nah. Even not with adjustment and inflation and all that, that's not a lot of money. Yeah, but, but how popular was uh, how popular was he back then? And when it came out, was he still? He wasn't. He, he wasn't, wasn't popular at all. So, so that's what we're. He was kind of that. unknown. So we're, he probably it probably was cheap because they didn't have to pay anyone anything. So one point five to two point three million box office pulls in fifty million dollars. Jesus Christ! Yes, they made some profit. <laughs> I bet dude thought he caught a lick. He was like, yeah. man, I made so much money off this. So, yeah. This he made is, a lot of money. This is the movie that sent Jean-Claude Van Damme, like, on his path to stardom. Yeah. Because after this, you have Kickboxer, and then the year after that, you have Cyborg, and then it just kind of keeps rolling, Universal Soldier, Death Warren, and he just starts yeah. rolling out hits. Holy shit, yeah, because he was, like, he was that way. Because he was a nobody when he made this. So, they filmed this movie completely... Or they filmed this movie on location in Hong Kong. Okay. It's one of the few films that was filmed inside the Kowloon Walled City. Now, earlier in the movie, that's when the the guide is telling them, like, hey, once we go into this place, you got to know there's no government, there's no cops, there's no rules. Yeah, this is feral country. That's a real place. Yeah. It was originally a Chinese fort and became an urban settlement after World War II. And it got a bunch of refugees because there was an Ameri- there was a um, the Chinese Civil War was going on, right? And that lasted from like the 1920s through World War II, and then ended in like 1946. But they ended up getting all these refugees, and a bunch of people ended up going there. No government oversight or law enforcement, so it gets controlled by the 14K and the Suiyan Triads, who are rivals. Right. But they take over this whole area because basically it was just like. That's basically like just gangs and shit like running the city. Right. It's like, it's basically LA. It was just a cesspool for prostitution, drugs, illegal gambling. And um, what I don't understand is why did Hong Kong just let this happen? Like, why did they let this walled city happen? I think I would have thought they would have been like, no, you can't have a walled city. The history behind it is basically it was originally this Chinese fort. And then during the opium wars, Uh Britain ended up taking control of it. Yeah. And 
what was known as British Hong Kong. Okay. And they controlled that for like 1890 to, I'm not sure exactly when, but after World War II. Around, okay. They pretty much controlled it through then. Then afterwards, the British pretty much pulled out. And Hong Kong just really didn't want anything to do with it. Mm. Just let them do whatever the fuck they wanted. Yeah. Do. It's just yeah. basically like, eh, you know, rather have them there than Here. anywhere else. You yeah. know what I'm saying? At, rather, least they're in a, at least they're in their box. Right. By 1990, it would have 50,000 residents in, 30, in 300 buildings. And it's, in all, it's on a uh, six and a half acre lot. That's not very big. Jesus no. So if you look up the pictures there. for it and the shit looks fucking crazy and they were just basically what they were, their idea was what is built up and they had to stop at 14 stories because there's an airport right there and like there were low flying planes that were almost hitting it because they were just building up. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. There was also a, um, a lot of black market surgeons and dentists there who could operate without licenses, That's or like if they had had their license a taken. CV in like a apartment complex. Is yeah. that like? It's kind of like. Uh, is it, that where they would do like? Uh, you could sell your kidney or whatever. Probably. Probably. A lot of black market doings, and then they said that there were also like people who'd set up like sweatshops and shit in there, and just have like whole factories running in there. Oh my gosh! Oh my yeah, God. I mean that sounds. Legit. So, like, yeah, when they're walking, when they go in there to where they have the Kumite and all that, all those hallways and those little shitty apartments and people running around stuff, those are real people who live there, and those are actually, like, the apartments and what the corridors look like. Wow. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. That is crazy. Uh, They would eventually tear them down in 1993, and now it's, like, a giant park called the Walled City Park. Oh, okay. So, they basically evicted everybody and just made a park. Cool. Right. I guess. Yeah. So, but... How did we get here? That is the interesting story. Oh, because you're talking about the guy, right? Dukes. Yes. Because it was, I saw in the end, it said that it was based on a true story. So it starts with this guy named Sheldon Lidditch. He would come up, uh, come up with the idea for this movie after befriending a man named Frank Dukes. After this, he would go on to help write Cyborg, Lionheart, Double Impact, The Quest, and Legionnaire, all starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. So they had a pretty good business relationship after this. Let me read you this quote from him about his friendship with Frank Dukes. So, I had known Frank Dukes for a number of months before I came up with the idea for Bloodsport. Frank told me a lot of tall tales, most of which turned out to be bullshit. But his stories about participating in this so-called Kumite event sounded like a great idea for a movie. There was one guy who he introduced me to named Richard Bender, who claimed to have actually been at the Kumite event and who swore everything Frank told me was true. A few years later, this guy had a falling out with Frank and confessed to me that everything he told me about the Kumite was a lie and Frank had coached him on what to say. So we don't know if this is really based on a true story or not. It could be based on... Somebody bullshit. Yeah, Frank Dukes could have, like, literally wrote this movie. Well, you had some interesting questions while we were watching this. Yeah. And there's a reason behind some of those. So, Frank Dukes. Yeah. Born April 6, 1956, in Toronto, Canada. Oh, he's Canadian. Because they made it sound like they were Spanish. Okay. In the movie. So, he would explode onto the martial arts scene in November 1980. He had done some articles for this magazine called Black Belt Magazine, which is still around today. 
It's like one of the longest running martial arts magazines here in the United States. It's been around for like 61 years. He had written a couple articles for them. And then I guess he kind of like sat down with the people who ran the magazine and he told them this story, supposedly his story. So they would do an interview with him and publish the article in the November issue in 1980. Mm -hmm. So in this article, he claims to be trained in jujitsu by a man named Sinzo Tiger Tanaka when he was 16 years old. And then he would go on to fight in this secret underground fighting tournament called the Kumite and win it at age 19. Okay. Oh, shit. So he's supposed to be 19 in this movie. I mean, that's that's why everybody's talking to him like he's a kid and, you know, making like acting like he looks so young. Yeah. 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 Okay. Now, I did feel like they were very like acting like he was a child. In this same article, he goes on to talk about how he had been awarded a Medal of Honor and how he had a very distinguished military career that he had achieved while in Vietnam. Vietnam? Yes. And that he was a CIA operative completing overseas, overseas like missions and shit. Okay, hold oh, on a second. Shit. Does that add up? Like, okay, if he on. was in Vietnam, that how old was he? When was he born? So, hold on. When he did this interview, he was 24 years old. So how would he be in Vietnam? He wasn't. We pulled, the U.S. pulled out of Vietnam in 1973. Yeah. He was still in yeah. high school. Yeah, so how, I don't understand this. So... But you can like invest. You can like verify if he really does have a medal of honor. Like you yeah. can find that out. I, feel like something they keep I mean, but you, you also got to think this is 1980. This yeah. is a lot harder to find things than it is nowadays. I'm sure there's like some like book in the library at the Pentagon where you can like look that up. And you would just go there. Yeah, I'm sure there's a way to. No find No one's going to invest that amount of time into that. If some 21 year old told you or 24. 20, 24-year-old told you that they had some type of Medal of Honor, you would research that, no? No, because these guys didn't. And they published this shit, and everyone dove into it and believed it. This guy overnight (laughs) became like a superstar in the world of martial arts. He ended up opening his own gym. He founded his own... Yeah, um, it was called fucking, Duke um, something. I saw it on there. Duke Ryu Ninjitsu. Yeah. Started his own fucking like martial art. Like this dude became like a fucking superstar. Wait, but did he actually fight in martial art battles like or fights? Well, see, that's the thing. People started looking into it later on and they couldn't verify any of the shit that he was saying. Oh, for oh, instance, shit. with use of the Freedom of Information Act, people pretty quickly put it together. Be like, well, you weren't in Vietnam. Yeah, there's no way. Which no way. Wait, he you would have gone at 16, which he denies that he ever said. But uh, you oh. can you can go and download the whole article with the interview with him. If you really want an interesting read, I would highly suggest it because he's just talking crazy in this interview about the shit that he was doing as a 24 year old kid. Yeah. Now. You would find out that he was in the Marine Reserves from 1975 to 1981, but he was never stationed overseas. And he ended up writing a book that got like sold like crazy. And it got so much attention that the CIA would actively like put out something saying that they don't know who this guy is. And he was never part of the CIA. Yeah. They're just like, no, well, which they would say for anyone, I guess. So he would say, he would say that the military and CIA altered all of his records to try to like shame him. Oh, that's so, oh my God. 
And then when people started looking into like his fighting history and shit, he says that, you know, like all these like karate federations and shit, like erased his records to like make him look like a fool. Just him. I feel like if he had like his old dojo or whatever, like, does he not have to do some karate type stuff? I mean, that doesn't stop. You know any, what I mean? That doesn't stop anything. There, there's a huge history, especially through the seventies and eighties of fake martial art instructors who were running shit like that. Dojos that would have like a hundred or 200 students and they would have them believing that shit, but they don't actually like really engage with them. Like, yeah. Physically, I mean, just if you're a good hire, talker and a good salesman, you could probably get away with it. Yeah, I mean, I can see it, and it's I can yeah, see and it. If you like Google search shit like that, it'll amaze you how much shit you see of like that. There's actually this really interesting uh, guy. I can't remember his name. He's a he was a UF. He was a MMA fighter, mm-hmm. but then he got famous because he started calling out like fake kung fu and martial artists in like China and challenging them to real fights, and, like beating the shit out of them publicly for free. Oh, shit. Yeah, to prove they weren't real martial artists. That's pretty. That's that pretty is, awesome. That's pretty yeah. Bad, that is, that is um, why would you fight him though if you know that you're not? You gotta die with the lie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you gotta um, die could you with imagine it. you just go yeah. and you're just like just you might, doing this with your arms because you're like just doing like you kung fu chops with your shit, arms. Man. And then this guy just comes in and like owns you in four seconds. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you gotta think like the first UFC. There were guys coming in there who said, oh, yeah, I'm a 50-0 and 0 street fighter. Never lost in my life. And they get out there and look and like they've never gotten a fight in their life yeah, and just get yeah. completely owned in, like, 30 seconds. That was, like, the first, yeah, like, but there was no UFCs. I know, but the UFC, I feel like there probably was still, like, a small amount of money earned, even if you lost. But it sounds like this was just for free. I mean, it's the same so. thing. You, you have to go. Yeah. You got to go. So... Yeah. I would be just like, I would be like, I can't, I have bone cancer. But uh, then there were other things like someone produced a receipt from, so he has this Kumite trophy, Uh but then someone was able to get a receipt from this trophy shop that was like Like, a couple miles from his house. Like in Ohio. (laughs) So basically what ended up happening with that, people were like, oh, you just bought the trophy, which is not really true because he... They talked to the person who owned the trophy shop, but he brought them the trophy and had them alter it in some way. Uh-huh. But oh, there's no telling where the where it came from. And then as to the ceremonial sword you get when you win the Kumite, this is a good one. He says that he sold it in a failed attempt to free a boat of orphans. Oh, my God. Who oh my he would have to save himself from a bunch of pirates after they wouldn't take the money. That's ridiculous. I'm, I, I would have rather he just said, I sold it for some dope Could you just something. imagine, hey, where's that sword? Well, you see, there that. was a bunch of puppies, we could, and there, someone was going to drown them, and I said, hey, man, if I give you this sword, don't drown puppies. Like, I'm just going to start saying that shit. I'm just going to make up stuff <laughs> that is so ridiculous, and when people ask me to prove it, I'll just be like, well, you see. That's how we, we could sit here, <laughs> literally, we could sit here for hours and talk about this guy because he did a, a 20 for 20 interview oh where he God. takes, he talks all types of crazy shit. I want to see it. He talks about where he uh, challenged Jean-Claude Van Damme to a rooftop fight oh my at, God. A, at a karate like expo and met him on the roof and he bought four of his goons and he like scared them off 
like doing like uh, flipping kicks I and will, shit. Hey, go look up who Jean Claude Van Damme showed up with four goons <laughs> to fight Frank Dukes on a rooftop at like a karate expo. And, and he, he was just he scared like, them off. He was like, ooh, ha, he, he with his karate like hands scared yeah. them off. Yes. Yeah. Oh, come on. Oh, my God. Come on. There, there's all types of shit. I would greatly encourage anyone to go look this guy up. They should up make a comedy about this. Read his interviews and read the things about this guy because he's so ridiculous. And then you look up pictures of him. He's like fat and old and all this shit. And he just talks <laughs> yeah, all this like so crazy Steven shit. Se- it sounds like Steven Seagal. Well, Steven Seagal's not a real martial artist either. I know. That's what I'm saying. It sounds totally like Steven Seagal but, where he was like when he claimed him with the crow, but the they one- called him. The one thing with Steven Seagal is he did manage to be the first foreigner to get a state-recognized dojo in Japan. That you can give him, but as far as him being, like, a real martial artist that could, like, beat the shit out of, like, high-level, like, world-class fighters, I don't I don't. I think mean, so. I, yeah. I mean, from this movie, you can definitely tell that Jean-Claude Van Damme, like, he's doing this shit. Jean-Claude Van Damme will probably fuck your shit up. Like, yeah. that dude is that doing a, like, straight... Cool. A straight stretch. So, like, with his legs. That'll lead us into Jean Claude Camille Francois Van Vetterenberg. Oh my, he has so many names. Oh my gosh. Jean Claude Van Damme. Born October 18th, 1960, in Brussels, in Belgium. Began doing martial arts at the age of 10, became a black belt in karate at 18, and did ballet for five years. Yeah. You'd say that ballet is an art but it's also one of the most difficult sports. If you could survive a ballet workout, you could survive any workout. I mean, yeah, ballet is like a real test of like controlling every muscle in your body for real. At age 15, he began his competitive karate career from 1976 to 1980. He would record a record of 44 wins and four losses in non-tournament semi-contact matches. He would become a member of the Belgium karate team who would win the European karate championship in 1979. And he would also compete in full contact karate and record a record of 18 wins with 18 knockouts and one loss. And he would retire from fighting in 1982. Which, how old was he when he retired? 20? Yeah, 22. Born in 1960 and then he quit in uh, 1982. Okay. He's 22, quits fighting. Same year, him and his buddy, Michael Kesey, decide to come to the United States with the idea of becoming movie stars. That's why so, I came to the United States. Become a movie star? No. My oh. parents just moved us here. <laughs> <laughs> so, laying their first roles as extras and background dancers in the hip-hop dancing movie Breaking in want, 1984. Oh my God, I want to see this. <laughs> and around the same time, he would befriend Chuck Norris. And would serve as he would serve on his stunt crew in 1984's Missing in Action. He would also work as a bouncer at a bar called Woody's Wharf, which was owned by Chuck Norris. Okay. Oh shit! So hey, man, you could got your your dad could have got his ass kicked getting too drunk at uh, Woody's Wharf by Jean Claude Van Damme. Got bounced out of there. Could you imagine being bounced by him? Yeah, it probably sucked. Probably just like, he just probably just like round kicked you in the face. That's like, then um, dragged you out. I think it's Milwaukee. There was this like famous, notorious bar that a lot of uh, professional wrestlers all were uh, bouncers there, like Ravishing Rick Rude, Kurt Henning, the Legion of Doom. 
they were all bouncers at this bar, and it was like, Jesus Christ, dude. Like, I'm just getting ran through by those fucking monsters. <laughs> May 2nd, 1986, stars in a movie called No Retreat, No Surrender, where he plays an evil Russian martial artist. An evil Russian martial artist. Martial. Why can't I talk today? That's okay. Martial artist. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I guess like in the 80s, they're like, oh, fuck Belgium. Fuck Belgians. They're all Russians, right? Russians yeah. are always the bad guys. Yeah. So he's close. They're like, oh, Belgian, Belgian, Belgium. They're like, it's in Europe. Yeah, it's close enough, right? Yeah. Where is Belgium? In it's Europe. right by France. Right by France. They speak French, actually, in Belgium. Oh. So he signs on to do the sequel to come back, but then he pulls out and begins working on Predator. Ooh, Predator. Which we've talked about before on our uh, Prey episode. But pretty much what happened was... His, oh, didn't he give... He was the actual Predator, though, wasn't he? He was supposed to be. Okay. So pretty much what happens is his agent tells him about Predator. And in Jean-Claude Van Damme's mind is like, Oh, I get to go like show off my martial arts skills. and yeah, people I'm going to be an alien martial and, artist. And people are going to see me... On screen was with Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's like a fucking superstar right now, you know. Yeah, for sure. And it's like he has this whole idea in his head of what this role is going to be. Then he gets there, and they put him in this giant like grasshopper man suit, <laughs> and you can't see his face or anything. And they're in like Mexico in the mud. It's hot as shit. He keeps passing out in the suit and shit, and he's just like, "This isn't what I thought it was going to be." Then they really look at it, and Jean-Claude Van Damme's 5'10". I I don't know if he's really 5'10". I don't really believe that. Yeah. But even still, let's say he was 5'10", maybe what? How much do you think he weighs? 150 pounds, I mean, he's maybe? pretty I was going to give him 180 tops. No, no. Because he's ripped, dude. He's that's fucking why, ripped. That's why I'm thinking one. Uh, yeah, one seventy five. I can see one sixty to one seventy five. But the problem, the problem they're they're doing is like they're putting him up next to fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's massive and like, roided out of his yeah. shit like yeah. giant, and then six like two, still Mister Universe um, muscle mass, yeah. And then uh, Carl Weathers, and he's all fucking like super fucking jacked up. You know, he's yeah. right after Rocky, and Predator, Apollo Creed, and yeah, all that. And the Predator yeah. just looks like a little wimpy man. And they, yeah, so that's why they went the opposite way, and they got the dude who played Harry in the Henderson Sasquatch. So they all just that. got like a really tall guy that, that's used to wearing suits. R.I.P. That guy. We talked about all that. He got AIDS and died. But oh shit. Yeah. Sad. R.I.P. Yeah. That guy. But it would he would end up getting fired after being on set for like two weeks. Though there are people who believe that he got fired on purpose because after while he was out there, he found out that Bloodsport took off. Yeah, like they got greenlit and they're like, "Hey, it's a fucking go." Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of varying different stories that you can read from different things. Like the director said that they never did anything with Jean-Claude Van Damme, never had him on film or anything like that. Never got that far. Turned out to be a lie because all that footage came out years later. And then you have Jean-Claude Van Damme's side, which is like, oh, they all treated me like shit. Da, 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 da. I kind of, you know, you never really footage. know. So I've shown you the footage. Oh, well, I want to watch it again. Cause I right, we, we can watch it after this. It's yeah. Funny. Yeah. yeah. But then he lands the role for Bloodsport. Yep. Producer, uh, one of the producers for this movie, Mark Desal, said, we were looking for a new martial arts star who was a ladies' man. 
but also appeals to both men and women. He's an American hero who fights for justice the American way and kicks the stuffing out of bad guys. Now, I like that because he's not American. At all. No, not at all. And I don't... I don't think he's a heartthrob either, but okay. Wait a minute. I I don't. What do you mean? You're saying Jean-Claude Van Damme's not sexy? I don't find him to be, no. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm serious. I mean, I can appreciate, oh I can appreciate how fit he is, but no, I don't like his face at all. I don't. I don't like his face. I have no comment. I don't. That's a sexy man. You see his ass in this movie. <laughs> I not. I'm that not saying his body nice is ass. not. That was a nice ass. Yes. Like no homo. That was. I was like, goddamn. You can't I mean, say he's that fit. He's fit as fuck. I'm not gonna take that away from him. But like, no, no, his face doesn't do it for me. Uh, you don't think Antonio Banderas is sexy? You don't think Jean Claude Van Damme is sexy? No. Jesus. If you actually, I would put Antonio ahead of Claude. Oh, you on the sexy heart. on the sexy scale. But no, I'm not no. going to take away that That's Claude's like body dream. in this movie no. is like amazing. No, 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 no. Amazing. No, his body be- is amazing in this. Movie. I'm not going to not. I'm not going to lie. Like he's got a great body in this movie. It's because she was like, oh, I don't like it to be a Darius because of the long hair. I didn't like. She his doesn't long like hair. guys with long hair. I don't. Now you got uh, this this god, yeah, this fucking Greek god with the short hair. She's like, ah, no, I don't like his face. I don't like his face. So well, I, I mean, his body is amazing. I'm not gonna say I don't like his body. What his body is amazing, but what his about face a, kills it for me. Antonio Banderas in like Thirteenth Warrior, where he has all of his hair cut short. I don't. I'd have to look, see a picture to mm. see if that's that does it for me. Okay. I just don't like long hair on guys. I just don't. I'm sorry. I just I keep. Jean-Claude Van Damme. This man's eye candy. I mean, I'm not going to say his body is not amazing, but I just don't like his face. Mm. I mean, he he obviously is fit as fuck in this movie. Like, no fat on his body. Not at all. Like, he is fit, and he's, like, gum, like gumby. You can, like, bend him in different ways, it looks like. <laughs> he is very flexible. But his yeah. face, I don't like his face. And very, I, very well I don't oiled. like his accent either. Mm. I don't like his accent. Now... Yes. The, the act- dialogue. Man. The acting period was not the best. No, right, we're it's gonna, an 80s we're, movie. We're so gonna get it. We're, it's great for an 80s movie. We'll yeah, get it. We'll, sure. we'll get in there. Let's knock out these next little couple parts. Because mm-hmm. they're very short. I didn't do a deep dive on our cast. Oh, we don't need to. No. You got Donald Gibb. Plays Ron, uh, Ray Jackson. He was Ogre in Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. Who I... Confused with Nick Foley. With Mick Foley, yes. Which, hey, that's actually a pretty good comparison. Yeah, that's a compliment sure. to him because Mick Foley's career. That's way who up I here, really thought he was. That's why I was so insistent that he had to be in other stuff. Donald Ogre Gibb. Yeah. Down here, he's probably living in a box somewhere. Yeah, poor guy. Yeah, well, I'm sure he like goes to like blood sport conventions and shit and gets yeah, some money. Yeah. You know? Do you really think? I'll get a little two, three grand. Google it and see. I don't yeah. think yeah, that's yeah, the I'll, case. I'll give, you, I'll, I'll give you an autograph for like a hot dog. Is yeah. there? Uh, do they do blood sport conventions? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. yeah. Thirty years later, old school like martial what? arts shit. I can see it. Yeah, he yeah. probably is the only one who would go because, like, you know, oh, Sean, I'm sure. Sean is not going. Well, there would be all the other guys who were like, "Yeah, I was that little. I was uh, in the first. Yeah, uh, I was the first knockout. I was the guy first yeah. knocked out. And shit like that. People would live off that shit. Weird. Yeah. Well, we have Boyo Young. Is that is, was that the dude he faced in the finals? Yes, Bo Yo Young. 
begins his martial arts training age 10. Growing up, he took an interest in bodybuilding and would become Mr. Hong Kong bodybuilding champion and hold the title for 10 years straight. Whoa, 10 Jesus. years? That's that's impressive. With a body like that, though. Yeah, he's kind of... Because he's a Huge. Beast. He's he huge. Was, so he would get into acting, basically just doing martial art movies, of course, yeah. in the, in the late money. 60s, 70s. Yeah. Right. And then I thought that this was really funny. While filming a Winston Cigarettes commercial with Bruce Lee. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They would meet and become good friends. And Bruce Lee would give him a part in Enter the Dragon. And then from there, I mean, that really kicked off his career. He was 42 in this movie. It was a good 42. Yeah. Like, 42? Dude, he, he's a beast in this. He's he did not yeah. look 42. He's 76 yeah. now, and he's still like a big, swole dude. And how oh, how man. old was, not how old, but how tall is he? He seemed very, he seemed pretty tall. Um, is that something you can find? I'm sure. But he has 113 acting credits. Not really going to go into him. But he is going to be in Double Impact, which is a movie we're going to cover later on in okay. Jean-Claude Van Dimber. Mm. Uh, let's see. It's 5'6". Oh, he's so, so much like five, taller. Five, so he's eight, literally five, just a compact, muscular well, little thing. They do a good job then of making them look Because he looks taller size. than... They do. They, yeah. He looks taller than all his Dude, because he looks competitors. fucking huge in this movie. He yeah. does. He looks like a beast. Yeah. And then, of course, we have Forrest Whitaker. 131 acting credits. The Color of Money, Platoon, Body Snatchers, Jason's Lyric, Species, Light It Up with Usher. He did a lot of, he's done a lot of movies. Battlefield Earth, Last King of Scotland, Street King, Southpaw, and most yeah. recently, Godfather of Harlem. Hasn't he been nominated, too, for, like, an Oscar or something? I feel like... He was in a I movie that did really well. Oh, the wasn't he? Wasn't that for the president's butler? I, I think maybe because I I was surprised because I wasn't don't that, think I that was Forrest Whitaker, right? The president's butler, maybe. Maybe I just don't feel like he's the best actor, so I was surprised oh when he. God, I can't believe what, I can't believe what I'm hearing. I just think he's an okay I know, actor. Man. I think. Don't given, you just think he's okay? I think given how he looks. With, like, the eye shit and shit. I think he does a good job, man. I don't know. I just don't think he's great. I think he's okay, but I don't think he's great. There's better actors, for sure. What's the Slave movie he played in? That's that was the really one good. I was thinking about that. I think he I got nominated remember. for yeah, it. Yeah, that Slave movie. Fuck, I can't remember what it was called. No, he didn't win anything for... Oh, The Butler. I just feel like he just plays the same person in every movie I've ever oh, seen. Oh, yeah, he man. won Best Actor for The Last King of Scotland. Okay, that's okay because that's yeah. where I was surprised. Because yeah. I was like, whoa. Because he literally plays the same person in every movie, so. Yeah, pretty much. No respect for Forrest Whitaker. No, I don't. I mean, good for him for winning an Oscar, I guess. But I haven't seen that movie, so I, maybe if I saw that movie, I'd change my opinion on him. I it's, don't know. It's a really good movie, though. It's a good movie. Yeah, I will say that. And then we have one last thing to talk about. So, a very fun fact, also sort of legend on how it's come about, was that Jean-Claude Van Damme was supposed to be in Mortal Kombat. Okay. Who's the uh, white dude with the arm? Johnny Cage is inspired by Jean-Claude Van Damme. Like, for the game. 
for the game. So I have this little article right here. Mortal Kombat's origins can be traced back to co-creators John Tobias and Ed Boon's desire to make a fighting game featuring ninjas that would also allow them to utilize the kind of large character designs they emphasized in previous works. Unfortunately, the initial pitch for that project was rejected by Midway for the simple reason that there seemed to be some doubt regarding the commercial viability of an arcade fighting game. You have to remember that this is before Street Fighter 2 really took over the arcades and submitted itself as a game changer in the arcade game and inspired studios everywhere to go all in on the genre. Instead, Midway decided to pursue an action game starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. The details of this story start to get fuzzy, but it seems what happened was they wanted to develop a game based on Van Damme's Universal Soldier film. At the very least, the idea of adapting the Megastar's latest movie into a game must have seemed like a much more surefire hit than an unlicensed fighting title. Recognizing an opportunity, Tobias and the rest of the four-person team that made Mortal Kombat decided to see if they could get Van Damme interested in the idea of starring in the martial arts game. Boone recalls that they even went so far as to send Van Damme a concept demo for the project by capturing a bunch of stills of the actor from Bloodsport, cropping out the black the background and replacing it with their own assets. And there were reports that they were prepared to name their game Van Damme as the ultimate showcase for the star. Unfortunately, Jean-Claude Van Damme didn't see any value in it, and he would end up passing on the idea. Though they would end up making Mortal Kombat and they would just model the character Johnny Cage after Jean-Claude Van Damme. I can see it, yeah. And then oh supposedly, gosh. when they put the live-action movie out in 1995, they asked him if he wanted to be in it, and he turned it down. He could have made so much yeah, money. Yeah, instead yeah. he went and did Street Fighter. Oh. Uh, Which is not, is that even around nowadays? Like, is there like an, a yeah, newer there's, version? Yeah. There's it's, one that came out a few years ago, but now they're like crossover games and shit. Uh, I, I don't really know. And maybe that whole vintage shit that like people like that old like niche Street Fighter. I wasn't very good at playing that game, so I would just be Blanca, um, and I would just sit in the corner and just be like a ball electric. They, uh, I saw another interview with those same guys, and they were saying even up to like Mortal Kombat Nine, they had talked to him about coming in and being like an unlockable character, and he wouldn't give him the license for his character. It's oh, crazy. crazy. Like you're just turning down money. Yeah, yeah. like you know honestly, yeah. they have nine games, and it's like Mortal everybody Kombat. knows Mortal the, Kombat. Yeah. It's on every platform. Right. Like that's wow. probably. Now the most famous like fighting yeah. series there is. Yeah, for sure. With Tekken, yeah, number two probably. Yeah, it's crazy. Street Fighters, like for us as kids, it would be like Street yeah. Fighter, but younger mm-hmm. people definitely like Mortal Kombat. Nowadays, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. All that leaves us with now mm. is our movie. Yes. Now I want to start this off with this is the greatest soundtrack of all time. It's an for 80, sure. I love 80 movies for, for sure. the music. From the beginning to the end of this movie, you were just catching bangers. Yeah. And the fact that they had like a song for, what's it called? It again? was good song placement too. They're everything. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I just feel like 80 movies are like, they're cheesy. The dialogue might be crap, but the ambiance is good. Well, there's, it really sucks when you like watch a movie and, there's scenes where you feel like there should be music. There's no music or there's mm-hmm. music that's put in. That seems like really misplaced. Yeah. Or the wrong music at the wrong time. Yeah. Or where you're just like plugging in things just to have that, 
that background sound. Mm-hmm. But this movie is like the perfect medium. It is. It's the per the perfect balance of like what's going on in the screen and the tone and the mood the matching that's like with the, the scores perfect, yeah, and the this, music, dude. This, that shit is crazy. Of the score, to be honest, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jean Claude Van Damme has been quoting as saying the soundtrack's better than the movie. What? Yeah, okay. He, lo- he loves the soundtrack. All right. Which I won't go that far. I, I fucking love this. No, movie. I feel like they're married together. You can't yeah. just say one you over can't the, take other. One exactly. out the other. They're synonymous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if you heard one of those songs kick on somewhere, you would be like, "Hold, you, what is this?" You would get the yeah. the you start flashing back to fucking Bloodsport. You know, what I love. I mean, I kind of I kind of miss like that synth sound. Yeah, for sure. That happened in the, the synth, 80s. The drum machines. Yeah. yeah. Man, that shit was fucking... That long pause at the front of it. And just, they, were, they were killing it. Yeah. In this yeah. Killing it. Our film opens up where they're setting up the arena, which, dude, I love the arena. The arena is so awesome. And the way they have it set up with everybody just crammed in there and those giant billboards. It would have amazing to be a fly on the wall. That sound right? where... Uh, when they pop up the names of the fighters, I just love that. That's like one of those little special touches where it's, oh, you know, yeah, like, yeah, like the, the clickboard. Yeah, yeah, that clickboard. That shit is so tight. I know we say on the show there, there's times where you could tell people took like pride and care, and yeah. they made sure yeah. there was like little meticulous shit in there. Yeah. Well, this movie has a lot of dubbed voices, so I feel like now. See, I don't. I didn't. I don't understand. The point of some of that. I, I don't know unless those people just had horrible voices. I don't believe so. Or maybe the sound quality was mm-hmm. just bad when they did the take and I they had to say, dub it. I'm pretty sure that was like a remaster. So maybe that's something they went through later. No, no, that's an 80s. That's an, I mean, I did TV, from TV production that I did back in 1994. When I had that class my freshman year, I mean, that's what it sounded like. It literally sounded identical to when we did our little voiceovers. Yeah, I don't know. Just like cheap ass. I think our equipment was probably from that era, but yeah. It's not everybody. It's no. only like It's only like two or three characters that are dubbed for some reason. For the young boy. And they look like the, people that like spoke English. Yeah, the uh, like general... Or whatever that you see for like five seconds. He's like, "Don't come back until rah, Duke's rah, rah. face is next yeah, to yours." Yeah, he's all dubbed, yeah. and that's completely dubbed and like terrible. And then the young version of him is dubbed. Maybe that kid didn't have an accent, so they had to go back and find someone now, who could do this stupid accent. Okay, the kid. Actually, we'll get, we'll get there real quick because I want to talk about the first part of this, and then we'll just kind of breeze through it. We're not gonna walk all the way through this. Okay. But our movie opens with them setting up the arena and we get our first montage, the training montage of all the fighters who are coming to fight. Yeah, the training montages are awesome. That shit was awesome. Just like montage. You got Chung Lee breaking these giant ice bricks. You got uh, people kicking boards. The monkey man jumping up in the tree, breaking coconuts (laughs) with his hands and shit. (laughs) Fucking. Yeah. 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 That shit was going like hard as fuck. With a banging ass little soundtrack. Yes, it was. It was pretty good. And then we get to an army barracks where we meet our hero, Frank Dukes. Yeah. He goes AWOL, apparently. You know know how they have the little speed punching bags? He's doing that except with roundhouse kicks. Yes. Which, dude is fucking flexible as fucking fuck. 
Yeah, I mean, he's Stress Armstrong. Like, dude, his dude's going like, he's, so I'm pretty sure what happened was after the Predator debacle, he's like, dude, I'm going to show everybody everything that I can do. He does the splits in this movie like 15 times. <laughs> and like, not just the splits, like, it That's is. Past the splits. It's literally. He's turning, it, he's turning into a human V. Yeah. yeah, it's like. It's like he's trying to split yes. himself in half. His legs, I don't even know how his hips could do that. Like, At physically, all. I feel like it's impossible. Like, his legs that, would all, come up past his hips. All that ballerina practice, man. I mean, that's probably... I mean, he does have that long... Those long legs. He has really long legs. So... He's probably great at ballet, I'm going to say. I'd love to see it. So, basically, what ends up happening, he escapes from the barracks. Somehow. I don't know. Well, he tells his guy he has to take a shower first, and then he just sneaks out. But How? I just don't understand. He's like, there was no window. Fire. I wish there was like a window that was open. Like, I, he just disappeared <laughs> somehow down the drain or something. Yeah, like it. Yeah. Hmm. So he escapes to go see his master, Tanaka. Tanaka. Who I guess is on his deathbed. Right. Well, or he's, maybe he's just really old. Or just so know. he was tired and he was taking a nap. I don't know. They didn't really go into it. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> sure if he was dying or not. It was just on a little bed, yeah. all tucked in. Like, perfectly, like, tuck, 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 tuck. And we get our flashback of Frank Dukes as a young boy breaking Which... breaking into uh, Tanaka's house. Mm. And that's where he gets his ass kicked the first time by Shinzo, Tanaka's son. And he has the Kumite sword. Yeah. He's trying to steal it. Yeah. Well, I guess his friends were going to steal it. Yeah. But, you know... And then they strike up a deal for him to be a training partner. Okay. Now I'm glad you said partner that way because basically the deal is like, it's just to get hit. Yeah, Let my son yeah. kick your ass. Tanaka, yeah, just stand there and be a human yeah. punching bag for my kid. Yeah. Tanaka's basically tells But he did parents, use the sword. Remember when he cut his, the bill bit, off his hat. Yeah, yeah. And he said, you have good reflexes. Cause you didn't react. Yeah, yeah, you didn't flinch. Yeah, you didn't well, flinch. You just wove this fucking sword around yeah. my fucking face. Like, it's like I didn't even have a chance to see it to react, yeah. man. If I was so, gonna die, I was gonna die. <laughs> yeah. So he convinces the parents to let him train with his son, which is just his son kicking the shit out of him. Yeah, yeah the six-year-old. So then we get the montage of child violence. Yeah. Where uh, teenage Jean-Claude Van Damme, who talks like a deaf child... I don't know why he talks like I that. D- I feel like, and it's dubbed. It's a dubbed voice. I feel like they went back and they were like, well, this doesn't sound like you have an accent. Well, I guess because they're trying to make it like, because the way that Jean-Claude Van Damme talks, like, oh, well, this kid has to talk like that too. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. called continuity, you know? Yeah. But it's like. Yeah, it literally took me a while to realize that that was a flashback. But it's such and a. And that kid was him. It's such a terrible attempt at like doing that yeah it's terrible yeah. it's really bad it yeah. sounds really it doesn't sound anything like the it accent like you're not going yeah, to call yeah. the cops like I yeah don't, it's yeah. really bad i can't do i can't even do i can't even get yeah, justice it's on how terrible so it is. bad but you don't hear a lot of it nah, this is a quick little why yeah. aren't you training me and then you come to find out that shinzo has died and that frank has been trained and is going to represent the tanaka clan Wait, in the upcoming so the, br- the son died? Yes. Yeah. 
I, I was wondering where the sun went. I guess I missed that. That's yeah, that, he died. That's yeah, crazy. remember when he's telling him, he's like, for 2,000 years, we've ta- passed down yes. the arts, father yes, to son, yes, father yes. to son. There's a picture. Because he didn't want to train him at first. He was like, well, because I was kind of, where my confusion came in, I guess, because I was also shopping on Amazon. Um, I just thought, like, the kid just was like, fuck it, I'm going to go be a C- CEO of CEO some company. <laughs> That's no, what I thought. Died. Well, see, there's always been a... Um, a little theory that Chung Lee killed him in the last Kumite. Oh. Uh, but it's never mentioned or brought up like that. That would have been a good law. Yes, they should have. Fl- yeah, if they had they flashbacked that, that shit, because then it would have been like he had something to revenge. That right. was my only maybe knock about the movie, because it was a good movie, but I feel like you could have tied a lot of more loose ends. It made the story more compelling, kind of. Yeah, there's, there's really... I mean, Not yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, yeah. It's, uh, it's very basic. Very yeah. basic. Because after this, it's just like, well, first we get the, uh, our second montage, the training montage, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which the Tanaka training techniques, I, I took time to write them down. Okay. Getting your ass kicked hand to hand and with weapons. And, and being beat with a stick, I feel like too. Yes. Yeah. Learn um, to take the pain. Ninja patty cake, <laughs> where they also made Play-Doh snakes. <laughs> Catching fish with bare hands. <laughs> Serving tea blindfolded. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of blindfolded shit. And erotic rope groin stretching. Oh, yeah. what when That he, was like some medieval sus- shit. Yeah, he yeah. Sus- suspends him in the air and is like s- making him do like V splits. I don't... Yeah. When he broke it, fucking pulley, man. Yeah. While making, like, perfect eye contact. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I am so strong. But then, right after that, it just... We come back from our flashback, which takes, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. And then he's instantly just like, yo, going to Hong Kong. Yeah. And he's in Hong Kong. Yeah. He just... It was just there. Flash... This was like... Yeah, they ain't show him on no plane and no. just hop on a Fuck bus. Fuck that shit. And he's gone. Well, that's yeah. not, it really wasn't relevant. Like, he was just going to Hong Kong. We don't need to see him going to Hong Kong. I appreciate that about no, it. Though. I want to see him on the flight. I want to yeah. see him eating peanuts and, yeah. you know, napping. <laughs> yeah. I want to see the old Delta airline fucking they uniforms. They no film. They got to it. <laughs> if I want to see anyone on a plane, I want to see Ray Jackson on a plane. Because sure. that dude is just yeah, a slob. Yeah, yeah. Everywhere he goes, he's got a beard. He's being like the most like Loud, annoying, <laughs> obnoxious dude. guy he yeah. could possibly be. Sexually harassing women. Yeah. <laughs> Calling people dick face. Which I loved. I literally posted that on my Facebook because I was like, that's the best line in this movie. Yeah, but you got it wrong. <laughs> what did I, I did? You said, I'm not your pal dick face. It's I ain't your pal dick face. Oh, fuck. I, I, yeah, I'll fix it. Yeah. You're Jean-Claude Van Damme beginner. It's okay. I li- I mean, I literally read the subtitle, too. I don't know how I messed that up. But we get to Hong Kong, and that's where we meet Ray Jackson, a fellow Kumite competitor. We From meet- America, too. Yes. Well, he meets... What I love is that they, like, bond over an arcade game. Yeah. Yeah. You like, you, like, fighting, kid? <laughs> because they're playing an arcade game where, like, there's little karate people. Now, there's another part of yes, that. Yes, I do. Uh, I, I love fighting. The Frank Dukes interview in 1980, he says every country can submit two fighters, which there's like over 200 countries. So yeah, they yeah. have that many oh, what is this? There. The fucking Olympics? Yeah. Get out of here. Oh, no. It, when we get to the end, there's some other really interesting numbers. 
But uh, that's just another Frank Dukeism. Do you know how long this tournament would be if everybody submitted two fighters? Okay, so it would take forever. He breaks it down where he's talking about like uh, in that interview. There's something like you have 20 fights a day, and you end up you know fighting like 60 fights in three days or some shit. Nah, like that. fuck off! No it's way. It's like, dude, what you know? Not and then that. I'm the, Spoiler at the end, it says he knocked out 56 people in a row. No he way. Like knocked no out way. like 56 no people in like three days, but yeah, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But again, go read about that Frank's Duke guy. Read it, watch his interviews. He is something. I, He's a very I really want person. to watch this shit now because now um, I'm about this guy. So they go to the walled city, which in itself, that's fucking crazy. Like when they first get up in there and you're yeah, seeing all so those kids running around and dark shit and, and dirty. Yeah, because like, Hong Kong is really clean. Like they're really strict about it. Well, see, in the walled city, since there was no government overlook or anything like that, all the air quality shit, all of everything was just like yeah, not non existent. Because Hong sure. Kong, they literally put you in prison for littering. Yeah, and like there, you can't. The bottom levels, there was so much shit built up, and so much like the air quality was so bad, the sunlight wouldn't get to the bottom. And I also feel mm. like they would just be dumping like piss and shit out. Oh yeah, of, like yeah. pot. Yeah. Like bed, like bedpans out the window, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. So that place was like fucking disgusting, but it adds like a really awesome atmosphere to it. And then yeah. in the center of this just fucking shithole little city, you have this fucking martial arts competition going on, right? And you got all these big wigs in there the spending money and shit. Yeah. yeah, the businessmen were my favorite yeah, with their yeah. funny looking money or whatever. I don't even know if it was money, but it was very. Very big yeah. money. We also meet Mr. Lin, who is the guide for our fighters. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty cool. I like him. I like Mr. Lin. Yeah, he was. He was a, you he know was what cool, he was a cool dude. He was. He was a rider. He uh, had loyalty. But they arrive at the Kumite, and Dukes, not being Japanese, has his invitation questioned. So right. he has to prove. But no one else did, which I thought it was funny. Yeah, I didn't understand. Like, they didn't why make they the didn't, other guy. Yeah, the Jackson dude. Why they he, didn't yeah, they're like, that? all right, cool, because, whatever. Because Jackson was given an invitation. Oh, uh, okay. There, That invitation was for someone to, I guess, represent from the Tanaka clan because Tanaka right. is a former winner. So I guess because it was Tanaka, that's why he was And so they're like, you're not Japanese. But this yeah. guy is supposed to be, you're supposed to be representing the Tanaka clan, but you're not Japanese. Yeah, but even Tanaka said that. Right. In the beginning, he said something about, well, you're not Japanese. But then at the same time, it's kind of like, well, you also know he's a North American fighter. So why is it that out of the box that yeah. Tanaka would train somebody like that? But it doesn't matter because he proves himself by using the death touch. Yes. Which he was asked to demonstrate. Yes. Which is him taking a a stick a stack of bricks and then yeah. hitting it on the top and you have to break the bottom one. It was like five bricks too. Though. Yeah. It went a little bit. Which was Which, tight. Yeah. yeah. Impressive. But it gets him his pass into the Kumite. And this is where we meet Chong Lee. And Chong Lee makes his very first statement. Very good. But brick not hit back. <laughs> I love, dude, Chong Lee. Is like an iconic villain. Yeah, for sure. He really is. He doesn't do a lot of talking. And he doesn't emote a lot. But he doesn't need to. Yeah, and there's no emotion. He's He's literally just like a brick wall. 
there's not a lot of emoting on his part. Yeah, but you when you but you can tell when he's mad because that's when his eyes get all big and shit. And that's a lot. There was a lot of there was a lot of eye fucking between him and Sean Claude Van Damme. Oh yeah, too. They would just look at each other when they were sitting in the stands and just like look and be like, tons of body communication going on. Just a lot of non-verbal. Eye fucking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just the hedgehog again. <laughs> yeah, I see you're running around. <sighs> and then while all this is going on, we have two uh, criminal investigation command agents, which is basically like the federal agents of the military. Yeah, yeah I guess. Are on his trail to bring him back. Yep. Now, I remember you kept being like, why the fuck is this guy so important? I didn't care. I, well, because why? I mean, I know when people go, go AWOL, but they don't usually chase them down. They just wait. Yeah. They just wait until they get busted for something, and then they get brought back. So I'm just assuming that that's also just part of the story that Frank Dukes gave them. Because he was so important, important to them. You know, I'm a CIA operative. Like, I they were chasing you know. him like he was like some fucking nuclear but, weapon that they lost. Jason Bourne. Essentially, they're treating him like he's fucking like a human yeah, weapon. For sure. Yeah, but it was exactly. the army. That's why I don't get. I mean, I, I don't know what to say. It was weird. They don't. They don't do that shit. Okay, well, maybe in the eighties they did. I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't think the Dutch the deaf touch works either, but it's very effective. <laughs> mm. Then we get our Kumite day one. Oh no! Well, no, we don't want to skip the coin trick. Oh, the coin oh, trick, yeah. which is this whole part of the movie was just so 80s. Uh, gambling a woman's will without yeah. her consent. Yeah, it's so that's such yeah, an 80s that would fucking thing. Nah, nah. And even she said she was like, wait, yeah, what? What the fuck, you what you what the fuck do you mean? Like, yeah. n- no. So, <laughs> yeah, basically, Hosan is this other Kumite competitor, which he's like Egyptian, I guess. Something like yeah, because he had the like the headdress, and um, he is harassing Janice, and he's telling her he's going to take her to his room, and him and his goons are about to like kidnap her. Right? Yeah, like against her will, they're basically saying they're going to kidnap and rape her. Basically, so Frank and Ray show up, and Ray's like, "Oh, we can go ahead and just fight about it." And Frank's like, "Oh no, we don't need to do that. Let's just uh, because if we get caught fighting, we'll get kicked out of the yeah. competition. So let's gamble." And he's like, "No, what he says is." No, if we get if we fight, we'll get kicked out. And for what? For her? Yeah, yeah. she ain't, she ain't awesome. even that. She ain't even that hot, man. Throws the shade on her, and she's like, "What? Fuck you too." And then he's like, uh, "Well, do you want to make a bet?" And so they make a bet that Hosan will hold out a coin in his hand, and Frank says, "I could take that out of your hand before you close your hand." Right, that's what he said, and they do it. And what happens? He puts a new uh, coin. Not only there. does he take the coin, he puts a new coin in the dude's hand. And the guy's like, ha, 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 I still have the coin. And he's like, oh, do you? And he holds it up. And like pulls and guy, it out behind his ear like a magician. Yeah. yeah, and then the guy opens his hand and he realizes it's a different coin. And he's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, yeah it's so good. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, it's really good. And then we get our split chairs splits. Yeah, well, yeah. when he's meditating. When yeah. he meditates. This dude, he you know? does the splits in this movie more than as he does. As much as he can. As, more than he does anything else. Like, literally, he's, oh, if it's. I don't know. He kicks a lot of people in the face. I realize that. He does a lot of, like, fucking roundhouse kicks. But, 
Like if he's know. not fighting, he's literally doing he, he crazy splits. The splits more times I don't know. We could probably yeah, he's doing the splits thing, all over man. the place. Yeah, yeah we could probably is. time it. We should have turned that into a drinking game. Yeah, every we should have. Every, splits, yeah, every and, and you can't stop until he stops doing the splits. We would have all died of alcohol poisoning. <laughs> then we finally reached the Kumite day one. Yeah. Now, at this point, there's less than an hour left in the movie. Yeah, this is a lot of fighting. Let's just say a lot of fighting. Yeah, and that last hour, it's all, it's all, all martial arts, all martial, martial arts, arts fighting. People yeah. getting their asses kicked left and right. Yep, yep, yep. And it's fucking awesome. Yeah, it yeah. is really cool. Yeah. Day one, you know, they have the fights and go the, really quick, and the music is really good for the fights. Too. Oh, That's the Kumite like. song, yeah. Kumite. Doesn't sound anything like no, that. No, now I have like uh, that song from. That South Park movie with the uh, puppets. America, fuck yeah. Yeah, that's what I have. Stuck in my head now. Because you said movie montage. And I remember them having a movie montage song. Well, but they have, the fights are quick. Yeah. Because yeah. so, you have so many characters you want to introduce that are going to become in I mean, because I mean, literally, because you had to fight 60 people in a day. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just slapping. You gotta love 80 beats. The 80 beats are like off the fucking chain. Fire. Yeah. I oh, know. I need to like download this so I can put it on my phone. Yeah. That should be your ringtone. Oh, see? And then <laughs> what I also like is like the guy singing is that like he's not singing, singing. He's doing that like. I love that. Where <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't sing, <laughs> but they sung their heart out. Yeah, they Man, sing. They name. sing, Man. but they literally sound like they're someone who smoked cigarettes their entire yeah. life, and they're just like. <laughs> while, while all this is going on, they're just dudes getting their asses. Yes, Hell getting yeah. just pounded. It's fucking awesome. Oh, here it goes. Yeah. Kumite, kumite. Certified yeah. slapper. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. But we also get to see Chung Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Well, before Chung Lee, the very first fight, uh, with the um, <laughs> there's a kickboxer, the the first fight, the guy that wins the first fight, that is Michael Kissy, who moved to the United States with Jean Claude Van Damme. Oh. Oh, sure. and they got an apartment together. They're roommates. Uh, well, he dude, he shows him a lot of love, man. He's uh the villain in our next movie, Kickboxer. Oh. So you know he yeah, yeah you know up in the world yeah and then he's in a couple other movies he's in Cyborg too and then he's in some other stuff but his career just didn't take off like Jean Claude Van Damme's but he still gave him like roles and shit in some of his movies and stuff like that so that's, that's really, nice yeah, yeah it's kind of yeah. like how uh, Adam Sandler does with his friends he yeah, puts all, all his guys. friends yeah. yeah in movies but then we get to meet Chong Lee and he just destroys this dude in like fourteen seconds. And then just throws his body out of the ring yeah. for like yeah. no reason. You didn't even have to do At that. All. But what I love what you get to see is that he lives for the crowd. Yeah, he loves yeah, it. He does. They start chanting his name, and he can just dude. It gives him that fucking the rush. Yeah, but you know what? I also have to say the crowd only seemed like twenty people. <laughs> right? It what are you talking about? It didn't seem like a huge crowd. It really seemed like it was like a very small crowd. No, nah, you're it, crazy. Dude, that, yeah, I don't know. You're crazy. I feel like it was all the fighters and then like 20 other people. Uh, a lot of people packed in there. I feel like 
No, it wasn't. There was like three Maybe. seats. <laughs> no, I, I feel like I there was three bench benchers. Like how a, it was shown, it only looked like it was one side. But I'm yeah, sure it was two yeah. Sides. So, yeah, I know. It just looked like it awesome. wasn't that intense. He just gets, okay. He gets so amped with him fucking yeah, chanting his name. Yeah. Like that's what he lives for—is the fucking crowd. I guess. Yeah. Let's go with that. And then we get Hosan versus Dukes. Knocks out Hosan, which what where he gives up and then he tries to uh, tries to attack him from behind. And when he tries to attack him from behind, when he hits him with that elbow, yeah. that is where he actually legitimately knocked him out. And that's the scene in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. With a roundhouse kick. No, that's when he elbows him. After I thought that was a roundhouse out. kick. No, oh. it was an elbow. It was an elbow. And he knocks his gold tooth out. Which someone steals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that dude. The, the blood, the guy, the blood scrubber. Yeah, I love yeah, how he's man. like with the sponge, like pretending to clean and like checking yeah, the tooth yeah. if it's real and putting it in his mouth, which is gross, but okay. And then uh, that leads us to our next awesome scene where the agents track down Dukes to the hotel and then they go on the foot chase scene through Hong Kong. And it's, it's like a cartoon. It is literally like a cartoon because he's like jumping over bananas and like, it's a cartoon. Yeah, it's like, like such a cartoon. It like, like taunting them. And yeah, and he's just like and running shit. slow on purpose, yeah. and then just like jumping over a cart of bananas and being like, ha ha ha! Like it's just so it's awesome. It's great. It's so goofy. You said awesome, but I stand by my point. I, that was the all, the most worst. Like it was so uh, goofy. Like, it, was, it was the was very worst goofy. fucking. Uh, and then he gets in ever. like a uh, rickshaw at the end, and I feel like. Yeah, but you can run faster than that rickshaw, bro. Like, why did you? Oh, <laughs> well, like when he went over the boats, it's just like yeah, the boat scene so was so goofy. Over all these boats that was like that was uh, that was definitely a cartoon fucking scene. I loved it though. I'm not gonna lie. We also have our date night with Janice, which was awkward. Yeah, it was very, very weird. weird. It was very weird. Um, she was like. Let me see the kumata, and he was like, "No, I can't." And she was like, "Well, I mean, we could fuck." And he was like, oh, "Okay, then. Yeah, sure, I'll take you to the kumata tomorrow." No, well, I never <laughs> said he was gonna take her. Well, she was there, so obviously. Yeah, but she no, was someone else. She showed up with the other dude, the announcer uh, dude, and then she showed up in like a prom dress. Like, what was that dress? Yeah, but it she... had like diamond like straps and shit. Because then she showed up with the dude who keeps betting money on Dukes. Who's like, oh, Dukes, you're my man. You're the best That's player. true. He didn't take her. Yeah, okay. he wouldn't take her. So she went with him. And she's like, this isn't the first time I had to go undercover. He's like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> he's fucking that guy, he too. Goes, he's like, why Why did you wanted you? Why did you want to be a journalist? Well, my dad was, and I could write good. <laughs> That's like literally what she said. And, and she said, like, I wanted so to. So you know what it's like to follow your dream. And he said, <laughs> and she said, I wanted to be the best I could be. And he's like, I'm just trying to be the best that's that I can be. be. Yeah, I know. It was just so weird because she that's was in like. The, I think that's that's in the hospital, though. They yeah. Were mixing it up. Well, because Nick Nick Foley lookalike got beat up and was in the hospital. Okay, yeah, well, all right. Well, let's just go. Kuma day, Kumite day two. Janice shows up with the the businessman. With the weird money. Okay, yeah. Yeah, who show, yeah, who's throwing all the money on Dukes. And our highlights from day two, I'll, the fights get longer. 
Yeah, L- yeah. not just and like split second. Well, because the competitors are supposed to be higher class at this point. Yeah. All the wikis have been eliminated. Right, and then there's you know there's not as many people, so they can stretch it out a little bit. Yeah, you um, only have to fight forty five guys a day on this day. <laughs> this is where we get the Chong Lee leg break, where he breaks the dude's leg. Yes, yeah. and that's also Jean Claude Van Damme's uh, buddy. Oh no! But Same the guy's guy. leg didn't actually get broken, right? No. Okay. No. Sumo versus Monkey Man. Oh, the Monkey fight. Man was just rolling I all over the, the mat. Monkey man, the Monkey man, man was going hard. That was he was, man. You wouldn't know how to fight him because he's just like rolling nah, around. Like, you off. He's like, like rolling around like Sonic yeah. the Hedgehog. Yeah. Yeah. Well, luckily the Sumo Man is just like fat. Yeah. Like, strong. As long as I can grab you, it's over with. Right. To be honest, yeah. Which he eliminates Monkey Man all to our Sharjin. We also get Sumo Man versus Frank Dukes, who yeah. gives him the dick punch of death. <laughs> dick punch of death, yeah. While also doing the splits. Yeah. This, it gets goofy. The fights get a little goofy at this point, I feel like. And, and we, why is everybody fighting in silk pajamas? That's another thing I have a problem with. They either have silk pajamas or like some silk belt that's tied on. Would you rather wear a gi all day or silk pajamas? I mean, I had those pajamas back in the day when I was a kid. Yeah, They're but very imagine comfortable. you're going to be sitting all day because you're doing all these fights. You'd rather be yeah. in silk pajamas. I mean, yeah, I guess. But I just thought it was funny that they were all yeah, in yeah. silk pajamas. Like, how do you take someone serious if they're in silk pajamas? And we also get Chong Lee versus Jackson. Yeah. yeah. Which, Ray Jackson, why is this man invited to the Kubota? Don't know. He's all brute force. No style. Yeah, he has a hell of a brute force, though, man. He hits you one time, you might go down. But right. He was just dumb as shit. It's just everything else. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, Chung Lee basically tries to kill him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. cracks his skull open. Yeah, he much. really did. He kind of, like, tried to... Like, if there was a rock there, that dude would have been dead. Yeah. This is also where I noticed Janice's hair. I wonder if this is what inspired Jean-Claude Van Damme's later on ramen noodle hair. <laughs> because that's what it looked like to me. Her hair was kind of like stringy Just like everywhere. that. Yeah, uh, and- okay, so yeah, she didn't have great hair. Yeah, she didn't I have thought it was great. She had very she thin hair, great. guys. I'm not going to lie. Thin hair. She, had she thin support hair. my 70s, 80s argument. She is 80s hot. Yeah, she is 80s hot, man. When I said that, that she kind of fits that description a little bit. We get a hospital scene with Jackson. Like, I guess he's supposed to be like in a coma, but he's still like moving and like opening his eyes and shit. I think. Yeah. No, no, he's not in a coma. Yeah. So, (laughs) I don't know. Just hurt. That's where we get the fight with Janice and Frank, and they talk about being the best. Blah blah blah. And she goes in snitches. Oh yeah, yeah. she She goes. Some guy I met two guy two days ago. I don't want him to get hurt. She's literally so you says gotta that. stop the commentary. Yeah, whatever. stop it, stop it. So this takes us into Kumite Day Three. Yeah, where we get Duke's first Paco, the kickboxer, who has been like kicking ass this whole movie. He's been yeah, fucking people sure. up, and they have an awesome fight. Yeah, yeah, they did. Where they're standing there kicking each other in the sides and shit to yeah. see who caves first. That He's was like, fucking Kick awesome. Me again. Yeah. Kick me again, boom! I'm yeah. like, damn. That was a fun. That's probably my favorite fight. Yeah, in the yeah. movie, and we also get Chung Lee versus Golden Pajamas. <laughs> Golden Pajamas. <laughs> which this guy has also been kicking ass throughout the montages. 
I'm not sure what his name is. I'm sure no. if I went back and actually looked, they probably he probably have it up best, on the book. He but. had the best shorts throughout it, though, man. <laughs> yeah. And um, Chung Lee just, like, beats his ass and then kills him. Yes, he literally he kills did, him. Man. And everyone turns their back on him and makes this big deal about it. Yeah, and, and the referee goes and takes the guy's pulse and just looks at him like, it's at this point, you piece of shit. Where it's like, okay. <laughs> This guy has already killed somebody, and yeah. now he's killed somebody else. Like, if you don't want him to, like, come and, like, keep, like, killing people, it's maybe stop, like, inviting yeah, him. Yeah, don't invite him I anymore. Had a, I had a valid question. <coughs> if you're allowed to kill people, why the fuck are we having a referee? Yeah, seriously. Like, what's the what's, referee doing? Yeah, what's your job if I could just come out here and kill somebody? Yeah, the referee didn't do shit, but stand there well, and see, watch. There's other fights where, like, guys get incapacitated, yeah. and he waves it off. Yeah. I guess, or there's that part where Paco, like, is kneeing that dude in the face, like, ten times, and he tries to go after him again, and the ref gets in between him and shit. Yeah. Now, here, Chung Lee has this dude, like, completely incapacitated. And, yeah, like, he's has already his on head, the ground. Has his head in his hands, and is just, like, has the slowest punch ever, and just decks him in the face, and then snaps his neck. Yeah. And the ref's <laughs> just standing there, not yeah. doing anything. Yeah, then the ref just goes, takes the pulls, and looks at him, and just, like, you piece of crap like doesn't even do anything or say anything just looks at him like i can't believe you did this yeah so i'm not really sure yeah i think that was a bad refing on that guy's part yeah i'd I'd probably agree with you on that um that makes me think it's a fun fact for the first (laughs) uf fun fact for the first ufc the original rules were you uh had to knock your opponent unconscious that was the only way to win what yeah. Oh my God. Why yeah. would you ever go fight? And in the in the first fight, uh, the ref jumped in and like stopped it. And they talked about it in the back and they're like, dude, there's no way we can do this. Or like, no. someone's going to fucking die. Like, yeah. we can't like just let dudes get beat like beat this. Sh- beat to death. Yeah. So, so then we get our finale Chong Lee versus Frank Dukes. Of course. And I love. Chung Lee comes in the ring and he uh-huh. has the bandana wrapped around his knee. Yeah. Of the, uh, the guy Frank in the Jackson. hospital, yeah. Yeah. And he tells him, uh, you broke my record. Now I break you. Like I broke your friend. <laughs> yeah, because the record awesome. was the world's fastest knockout. With a roundhouse kick or whatever. And Frank Dukes beat it. Yeah. In his first fight. Yeah. You beat the record. He also Ooh. gets uh, a little like powder capsule like put into his shorts by his trainer what <laughs> yeah wait. i remember that he, wait he, what like a mush, like a but why what does that do because he throws it in his face later and blinds oh. him. that's where he got yeah. it from okay. oh when he blinds him yes 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 okay so you get like a 50 50 crowd because half the crowd's training training for yeah, they're old school they want uh they don't want some Lee, white guy winning and then the other half are Chaining for Frank Dukes. And that's a pretty good fight. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait. Can can I mention that, like, the racism in this movie was, like, when the little the little son was, like, said something like, get up, you round eye. He kept calling, yeah. Calling he kept him round calling eye. him round eye. eye. Like, that was the racism in this movie. <laughs> I'm pretty... I'm pretty sure he calls him round eye too when he saves him at school after getting beat up after beating up yes. those bullies. I'm pretty sure yes. he's like, I'm gonna go to the Kumite and win one day, round eye. I'm pretty sure yeah, he, says he literally like is so it's like that's the racism is calling a white person round eye. <laughs> yeah, that's the 80s. It's yeah, I fucking love it. I fucking love it. So they have their fight back and forth. He's getting the best of Lee. 
and then he blinds him. Yeah. And then that's where we get the scene of him on his knees, just like screaming. Yeah. He he blinds him. He (sighs) he blinds him, but then doesn't take advantage of the fact that he's blind and like lets him to give him him two minutes to fucking recover. Because they're chanting his name and he gets all caught up and he's all dancing around. He's like, oh. Lost in the sauce, man. He does. He does. (laughs) He makes the exact same mistake Ray Jackson made. Yeah, he did. He thought he had it in the bag. But then, well, little did you know, this man used to serve old Asian people tea while blindfolded. Yeah, so that, that means he's totally used to being blindfolded. And he knows how to, he knows how to catch punches. fish barehanded, yeah. also yeah. blindfolded. So that means you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need no eyes. No, because then he proceeds to kick the shit out of Chung Lee once he gets his mind right. Yeah. Because he gets like two minutes to sit there and meditate, and then he goes in the zone. And he fucks Chong Lee's shit up. Yes, he does. Yeah, he did. And then he makes him verbally submit and quit. Yes, say it. Say it, Manny. Say it. Maddie, whatever it was, yeah. Fucking, I think it's Mate. Mate. Fucking say it. <laughs> That's what he says to him. Yes. Say it. The only Mate of the tournament, too. Yes. <laughs> so He made him say Mate. <laughs> they, uh, that concludes the tournament. He gets his sword. Yeah, which he, you know, later trades to save some orphans. <laughs> yes. He goes back to the hospital. Him and Jackson have a very... A very they have a bromance. They yes. do. They're like, yeah. they're like, I know I only met you two days ago, bro, but like, I will fucking die for you. <laughs> when, when, whenever you need, so, whenever you need me to you. die for you, I will die for you. <laughs> he says... Anytime, anywhere, <laughs> any place, if you need me, I'll be there. Yeah. And he's While staring him right in the eye. I know. And he like, but you forgot the corny line where he's like, why Why do you insist on being without your clothes or something? And he gives no, him he back says, his belt. Next, he says, next time you fight, try to keep your clothes yeah, off. Yeah, something like why that. You, he's, not, he's not Sherlock Holmes. No. I you, don't know. He said something, you, I don't know. He said something weird when he gave him the belt. All I know was something like, who, why doubt thou lose thy clothes? <laughs> thy clothing has been. To see this goes back to us talking about Jean Claude Van Damme doing uh, Shakespeare. Oh my God. Who oh, doesn't shit. want that? <laughs> I want to see it. So they say their goodbyes. And they make out a little bit. And it's time for Frank Dukes to go back to the United States. So he's n- private. Secret agent number one, apparently. And the agents are waiting for him, and of course, he has to make them look like fucking idiots again because they're like, oh, he's not showing up. He's not here, and he's already on the plane. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> he comes out of the plane door, and he's like, yo, guys, are we going or what? Whoop. Basically. So Janice pulls up in a bus outside an airplane. I don't know how that happens. I don't but, know. Yeah. And then hops out and gives him the, the fist bow. The fist bow. Yeah, it goes like this. Yeah. This bitch ain't knew nothing about martial arts the whole time. She yeah, to, I know. She knew how to fist bow at the end. She learned. She went and watched people fight for like two days. Yeah. Well, yeah. one day, technically. Then we get our end credits where we read about all of Frank Dukes' incredible records, including yeah. retiring as a full contact fighter at 357 and 0. Yeah. 
59 million knockouts in a row. <laughs> yeah, and that's where they talk about he had the 56 knockouts in a tournament, which was he also of like ran a into a, people. He also ran into a burning building and saved a bunch of you, kittens. You got to go read about the guy <laughs> and watch his, watch his interviews and shit. They're just so funny. Cause I he, never knew that. I, like, I knew the story about yeah. like blood sport. It was just like the movie. Yeah. But I never knew it was based like. This well, real guy running yeah, around saying he did all this shit. At 19. <laughs> Some it's some guy basically saying he did this shit. Let's be honest. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like he did this shit. He just said he did. Saying this shit. he did this shit. Yeah, this movie would have three sequels. What? Really? They all go direct to video. John Claude Van Damme's not in any of them. The second one is called uh, Bloodsport Two: The Next Kumite, and the only person who comes back for it is the guy who plays Ray Jackson. Okay. And he's only in it for, like, part of the movie. Yeah. Oh, I thought he was going to win it then, man. No, he gets, uh, yeah. like, shot in the leg and, like, fucking... He's, oh. like, a side character. He's oh, shot shit. in the leg. It sucks. I, I watched it when it came out because I was pretty young. The other two I've never seen. And I have no intention to. The, but they keep trying to want to remake it. They keep trying to get the license to remake it. And it's just like, dude, you can't remake this. Nah, you can't nah. you can't get uh, that you can't beat that eighties feel, man. That's nah, just you like bring an eighties feel. You, if you're gonna do it, that's what movie. made it good. If you're gonna do it, just call it something else. Yeah. Because yeah. all no. you're gonna do is yeah. piss people off. Yeah, because you know you just can't there's like an ambiance that you just can't recreate from the eighties. That's what made it but so good. It's the same thing. Like I was talking with some people at work about the warriors. People want to remake the warriors. And it's like, you can't recreate like that. seventies yeah, New York. No. You, there's, no, you can't, you can't, you can't it, get that grit. If you try to modernize it, then just call it something different. Yeah. yeah. It's not going to make sense. And Agreed. you can just be like, oh, it's a, a homage to yes. the Warriors or something. You can do yeah. the same thing with Bloodsport. But yes. don't remake your movie and call it Bloodsport. All no. you're going to do is just make people like me mad. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Even so, if it's good, we're still going to be mad at you. You already know my very. I would recommend this movie. I to would too. I. It was a fun watch, man. Between, it was just, okay, so it was <laughs> not strong on dialogue. It had great action, and the music was, like, perfect. It created the perfect ambiance. It just reminds you of those old, like, kung fu movies that, like, like you said, the dialogue wasn't great, but it was a good story. Some people getting their ass kicked, and that's all you need. Simple story, much. good action, and it flows well. Yeah, it, it does. doesn't it drag. It flows really good. It's an easy it's hour an easy, and a half. Yeah, it's an there. easy watch. Very you give me a good score like that, a good music, you get me every time, man. And you get to see some Jean-Claude Van Damme man-ass. You only got to see half of it, really, though. That's all you need. That's all you need. But it was solid, guys. Like, like it look, was, that was the, some, uh, the that arc was, when they opened it. Yes. Nope. Yeah. That was some, like, that was some solid booty. Yeah. It, you probably could, like, bounce quarters off that. It was probably really, really hard, that booty. I was going to say. Well, that's going to do it. Yes. For our first chapter in Jean-Claude Van Denver. <laughs> okay. So next week. Yeah. We'll be talking about, well, next episode. We will be talking about the 1989 movie, Kickboxer. Which I've never seen, so okay, cool. I'll, it's new for me. Oh, it's a good one. Mm. So. Yes. As always. Uh-huh. Stay tuned and keep watching. And for me, Elaine and Tavares, hasta luego. See ya. And I still never have a sign off. Bye. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>